This is David Bendet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in Corpus Christi, Texas. It's my heart to bring in special ministers from around the world that bring relevant messages that inspire you to become and do everything that the Lord has for you. My prayer is that this message will cause you to be awakened to the more that the Lord has in store. And may you be fired up for His purpose and plan for your life. Good morning. Man, we had an incredible first service. My gosh, Lord's in here. Um, what do I got to do? Oh, I was telling Amber, he's talking about building and so forth and giving you the explanation of the Legos. And I didn't tell him this in the morning, but months ago, uh, the Lord gave me a message for this church because you're in this next year, you were going to be coming into building. And that was months ago, and I've got it <clears throat> written down in my, uh, my journal. And the Lord spoke to me uh, yesterday to speak a little bit on it about building, because this coming year you're going to start building God's destiny for your life. Mark that down, God's destiny for your life. Not your destiny for your life, but God's going to give you his destiny for your life, which will be yours anyway. So this coming year is the time that we start building God's destiny for our life. And a lot of us will have to maybe seek the Lord and ask him what he has for us. Because a lot of times we're kind of taught to, you know, do our own thing, you know. And if it feels good, it's the Lord and, and all that stuff. But a lot of times when God tells you to do something, it's most of the time you don't want to do it. At least most people, most generals I know, they don't even want to do what they're doing, you know. Uh, I'm, uh, Rick Joyner's a good friend of mine. He can't stand doing what he's doing right now, but he knows the Lord's called him to do it, and every time he does it, you know, he dies and the Lord comes up, you know, right? right. And uh, any kind of thing from the Lord causes some, some part of your will to die so that he can live. Yeah. But when he starts to live through you, you're like, man, I love this. This is awesome. But a while ago, you were complaining, throwing up all kinds of stuff, Right? But this season, this one of the things the Lord showed me is that this is the season to start building. And we're not building for us, we're building for God, but we're building to have his kids back in his house. Yeah. Okay? Uh, we've got to start building God's house first before ours. Right? And the way we build God's house first is to listen to what he wants to do, which builds his house even in you. Right? When I do what God tells me to do, man, it builds me up, it changes me, it transforms me. But as soon as I find myself doing what I want to do, I'll find myself miserable, I'll find myself depressed, I'll find myself trying to find something to fill the void, and I'll find myself actually in poverty as well. Uh, money that comes in, it will go right out, and I'll, I'll find my pockets having holes in it. You know, it's like, man, why... Why can't I just keep, why can't I save something? Why does why something always come up? Every time I get money, something breaks, then I have to give it out. I, I don't understand, Lord, what's going on. And the Lord's told me over and over at times when that happens, you just got your focus off and you're building your own thing instead of building my stuff. That's Haggai. Haggai 1, if you want to read it, uh, he's basically telling them to build his house first. Because if you start building his house, obeying God first in your life, Everything else is taken care of. I guarantee you. If you seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will what? That's right. It's going to come to you. So we've got to build. Say we've got to build. Come up here. 
Come up here, Amber. One thing I wanted to, I, want, I, I don't know why I'm doing this. Well, yeah, I do. Hey, this girl right here, this, this, this year, right, this year, she's going to, God's really going to use her as a rocket to take her to a new level. And there's a lot of revelation that the Lord's given her that is uh, simple and profound and instructional. And she's been uh, writing this blog. I've actually read some of the blogs that she's done. And uh, if you'll read some of the stuff that the Lord gives her, it will change your life. It's not necessarily going to be this high revelation, get you out of this world stuff. It's going to put foundation in your life to be able to understand how to live. You understand? So get on her blog. Will you get on her blog? Read every one of them. And if they sound boring, boy, you really need to read them. <laughs> I'm just being serious. There's a, there's a lot of wisdom in this girl. I've known this girl now, and I'm knowing her more. I'm laughing about but uh, she's hilarious. She's so rawly uh, truthful. And if you'll listen to her blogs, if you'll read them, there'll be a lot of wisdom in there, and it'll change your life, okay? Is that all right? Okay, go sit down. <laughs> How much is it going to cost to do the build-out? 300000 Man, that's not much. Three hundred grand. All right, let's get three hundred grand to finish the build out. Okay, that's it. We need three hundred grand, maybe four hundred grand. So uh, we'll make it four hundred, four hundred, four hundred, four fifty. I'm telling you, the the money's gonna come because God's serious about building this year. I've got a friend of mine that's got one of the fastest growing churches in, uh, in Dallas, Texas, and, and I'm one of their advisors as well, and they needed a church. They, needed, they, were, they were busting out of the seams, and, he, and they were panicking, and they were going over code, and he said, listen, you need to ask the Lord where our building is. We can't find a building. And I said, well, just go find the water. He said, there's no water downtown Dallas. I said, oh, yes, there is. You better go find the water. That's where, the, where, where your building's going to be. And so they went and searched for some kind of water, you know, in downtown Dallas, you know. I don't know if you've ever been to Dallas, but there's no water in Dallas, you know, downtown, much less Texas. But uh, anyway, they, they get downtown and they find this like a, a big waterway or a big ditch. And they, they follow this ditch and they come to this big building, industrial building, and it's, it says for rent. And so then they look on the mountain, they, they look at what this stream is, and the stream is called Trinity River. And so they called me up and they said, we think we found the building, it's on Trinity River. I said, well, you might want to get that thing. And so it was going to cost them, uh, I think it was $469,000 just to, and they're, they're leasing it to, to build it out. Huge, big building. Now they're busting at the seams, and they're going to have to get another one. But he said, the guy got up, my friend got up, and he said, hey, we, I know we've, we just found this building. He was telling everybody about it, and uh, he said, we're going to need the money to build out. He said, could, could you just help us? This guy came up and, and wrote him a check for $435,000, handed it right to him. He said, I hope that's enough. <laughs> 
He called me up about fainting, you know, you're not going to believe this. Somebody came up and handed me a check for $435, $1,000. I thought, man, you might want to give the tithe to me for that thing. <laughs> hey, come on, you got to be real. <laughs> That's a lot of money, isn't it? But uh, it's not to the Lord. It's not to the Lord. In order to build, you got to be generous too. You got to build the Lord's house first, right? So I, I want to talk a little bit about building, and I want you to turn over to Nehemiah if you can in your Bibles. Nehemiah. I'm going to give you a few principles on building or your purpose. That's okay. Is that all right? Nehemiah, Nehemiah 2. We'll start there and we're, we're going to skip over to Nehemiah 4. Tell me when you're there. If you got your Bibles, open them up. If you got your iPads or whatever, go to it and tell me when you're there. You there? Okay, Nehemiah 2. Nehemiah is a cupbearer for a king. Uh, he's very insignificant, uh, but he gets this idea, and he sees that, you know, his, basically his heritage has been in turmoil. It's been broken down. The walls are broken down, and he gets this heart to be able to want to wanna build it back. And he's, he's very insignificant, but he has such a heart that he wants to build it back. He wants to build the walls back. He wants to build the, the city back because, you know, it was part of his heritage, something that's broken down. I don't know about you, but within me, when I see something broken down in it and I feel like it's a part of me, I want to try to bring it back up. Don't you? And so he gets this idea to build it back. Can you imagine you being a cupbearer and you get this idea to build back a city? That's like crazy. That's like one of you guys having the idea, I think I'm going to go out in the desert somewhere and I'm going to build a brand new city because we need one. And you work at Starbucks. Car coffee. No, I, I was actually mocking Starbucks for you. I didn't want to bring up. If I would have said, hey, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I was covering you, man. <laughs> so you can imagine having the great idea. I don't know if you've ever had a great idea and that be larger than you. You ever had that? God's ideas are always larger than you. You get the feeling, you get the inspiration, and man, it makes you feel, you're like, Man, that is, man, I, I could, and, and then the enemy comes in and goes, oh, you can't do that. You know, that's just a dream. But God's ideas have to be bigger than you so that God can be involved in your life to do it. They have to be. Besides, God's ideas are going to be bigger than you. It's a far more blessing than what you're expecting. It overcomes your life. And so when you get the idea, you get this overwhelming power that hits you. You get a smile on your face for a moment. You may dance. You may sing. I don't know. 
how, whoever, what kind of personality you are, it, it does something to you. It energizes you. It empowers you. Just the idea empowers you, doesn't it? Well, what you're feeling is God, when, when the dream comes, when the idea comes, and you see, man, I've got to build this, and this power hits you, you have just been imparted to do it. That feeling, those, those ideas and those things that come to you, that if you feel empowerment, you're actually feeling God giving you the anointing to actually fulfill it. But most of the time, the enemy will instantly come in, and he'll either do this. Well, I don't think you'll ever do that because you're very insignificant. You don't have the money to do it. Come on. You don't have the money to do it, and why even try? Right? Is that right? And then you, then you go from feeling empowered to what? Insignificant. And then you'll find yourself not doing it. Because the enemy hates it because God gives you power so easy to do his will. But yet in this world, we think we've got to do something that's, that gives us pain to be able to make there. Make it. We've got to fast for 40 days and kill ourselves. God's not like that. God gives you an idea and he says, okay, now go to the king and tell him you want to do it. And go for it. That's what Nehemiah's about to do. He's getting the empowerment and he's feeling the heart of his inheritance and his people. And he's saying, man, I, I really got to do this. He's feeling that. But at the same time, he's, he's dealing with, oh, man, I wonder if the king, he, he may get upset with me if he sees me like this. And so he walks into the king's court, and the king recognizes him as being sad, or his countenance is different. And the king asks him, what's wrong with you? Because a cupbearer is not supposed to go before the king and tell him what he wants to do. But for some reason, after God has given him this heart, doors get to open to kings to be able to come to him and say, I'd really like to do this. That's what's going to happen this year. When you get the idea, doors was, are going to open for you to go before kings to ask for what you really need to do besides the king. Right? He said, now I've never been sad in the, his presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. <laughs> he's trying to encourage him because he thinks he's going to die. Right? <laughs> may the king live forever. You know, because the king's recognizing he's got something that this little cupbearer's got something on his mind. He didn't realize God's using this king to bring it out. Okay? May the king live forever. Why should my face not be, be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? Underline that. What do you request? So I prayed to God of heaven. How'd he pray? He panicked inside. God, Lord, you know, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Because he's standing before the king. He's basically saying, I was panicking and I asked God to help. Right? Come on. 
prayed God in heaven. I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah to the city of my father's tombs that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, how long will your journey be and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and set him and set him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river. In other words, could you give me some letters to give me access to all these places that I've got to go? Of course, prophetically today, God's given us letters to give us access of where we're supposed to go. You don't have to ask. Once God gives you the idea, you can find people like this man, or, or, or there was a little man called Jesus that you thought would never change the world, and he ends up going before the king asking for all of us, asking for the whole world. And he's rebuilt a whole city right here. He said we're a city set on a hill. And look at all these cities right here that he's rebuilt. One little boy that was a carpenter went before his king in humility. One man changed a whole world. Just decided to do it. That's it. Jesus, he could have not decided to do what he's doing. What he's doing now or what he did when he was born. He could have decided just to be a carpenter all of his life and never do what his father told him to do. But he obeyed the Spirit. He obeyed his father, and the more you obey the father, you start building a real vision and a real foundation for your life. And things start to change. And the more he would obey his father the more the winds and the enemy would try to hit him, but because he was building on a rock, he was obeying his father, nothing could ever turn him from not building his father's will. That's what happens when you start doing the, what the father wants you to do. The enemy can't take you out. It's when you start deciding to do what you want to do and you build your house on sand, you, it just ends up washing away. Are you with me? How many of you failed so many times because you did it your way? Oh, come on. I ain't no telling my, I, I'm speaking more out of my failure than I am my successes. Because you learn through failure. Right? I remember build, building a dealership, a car dealership. And uh, after I built it up, you know, the first month I made forty grand. We made 40000 That's huge for just now opening up a business. And then six months later, I started seeing money leave. And, and then a year later, I'm seeing more money leave. But there's a lot of money coming in. I'm wondering what's going on. And, and uh, I started finding out that my partner was stealing all the money. So I went before the Lord. And I was upset. And I said, Lord, this can't be happening. Why are you allowing this to happen? He goes, oh, man, Brad, that was a great idea that you've had. But it wasn't mine. And, and because of the favor that's still on your life, money's going to come in, but it's all going to go to him. I'm allowing it to go to him because you're out of my will right now. But it's okay. The favor of God's still on your life, and it's still, the business is going to be blessed, but it's going to go to your partner. I said, what do you want me to do now? He said, I want you to give your whole half to your partner and walk out and wait for the phone to ring. I, I about threw up something. Try that. After you put sweat, you know, and you're making money. Oh, my goodness. 
I realize that I've really got to be in tune with what God wants to do. And of course, it ended up working out. I manifested and handed uh, my stuff over to my partner. I had to go in there and say, uh, listen, I've got to give you my half. And he goes, oh, praise God, hallelujah. And I was like, hallelujah, I'm going to slap you something. Because he was already stealing. You know, I thought stealing, but God was letting it go. But I was still, man, you know how that goes. I wanted to slap him and say I'm sorry, you know, to God. Let me kill him and then you can raise him and I'll apologize. <laughs> I had a, I'm still manifesting right now about it. I had a mahogany nice desk and all that stuff, you know, and I had to give that stuff away. I had to just leave it. I said, you can have the desk. I can have, that's a beautiful desk. I, Oh, I basically left what I built and I was heading for what God wanted to build that was the key but when I did it that's when the Lord started moving that's when the Lord started giving me the ideas things to do and man everything that I would do that he told me to do even though it didn't seem According to my plan, it, it was so different. But every time I would do it, it would blossom. Because it was God's destiny for me. Anything God puts in your life to do, it's going to blossom. It's going to sprout. Because that's when you and he become partners together to build it. And the enemy can't stand that. Because as soon as you go before the king and he gives you the authority or the letters to go throughout that land and actually start taking over and building what he's called you to build, oh man, the enemy comes out. Because you're doing God's will. And you've got to understand, even if the Lord told me to build a building, a physical building, I, that building will have the power of God on it. You understand? So that building will actually have a literal presence about it which will destroy atmospheres on that block. It's different. Now I can build a building out of my own will and it just be dead. There's no vibration, there's no power, there's no nothing in the spirit that's going on. It's just a building. But as soon as God builds it through you, then that's a different story. The building becomes the presence of God. Becomes him. Are you with me? I've had the Lord tell me to buy a car. I buy the car because he told me to build it. Not necessarily what it was. A, you know, well, never mind. I may manifest on that one. But uh, <laughs> and soon as I get the, as soon as I get the car, the Lord's in the car all the time. I feel the presence of the Lord. And every time somebody would get in the car, they'd just cry. He's just getting to go, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, here we go. I hate this car, but man, I know the Lord's in it. I wasn't a minivan person. And I will not say any more. I was a truck suburban guy, you know what I'm talking about. Evidently, God was a minivan person. <laughs> it just works that way. 
It just works that way. I mean, when they built the, the, when they built the temple or when they even built Moses' tabernacle, everything that was in that tent was anointed. They, would, they had to sprinkle it with anointing, the, all of the furniture. And what they built was anointed. God was everywhere if you walked in there. Same way today. Anything God tells you to build, the anointing is going to be on it. Even if you, if y'all ever had artists, you can see artists that see something in the spirit and they paint such a beautiful thing, it causes the whole world to look at it and it causes their spirit to jump. You ever looked at a painting and you're like, in awe, you could sit there and just look at it forever and, and, and it, it, somehow it inspires you. It's because you're looking at God and you don't realize it. It came out of the spirit and it's on canvas and God's using it to wake something up in you. But as soon as you start doing it, as soon as you start building, man, the enemy tries to come out and distract you. He's going to try to do distractions. Say distractions. And distractions are not just, you know, try to make you look this way. Distractions are either accusation, insecurities, or even, you know, legal stuff that comes up, people trying to stop you from building, all kinds of stuff. But all of that is distraction because God's going to do it whether they like it or not. Oh, you got to get that one. Because get ready, you're going you're gonna to hit the enemy's face. You're gonna go, the enemy's going to come right in your face. As soon as you start doing what God's called you to do, the enemy is coming. But if the enemy is there in your face, that means you're on the right track. If it's difficult, it's God. If it's easy, that's the broad way. Broadway leads to destruction. The whole world wants it easy. I don't know if you've ever built a house, but the house just doesn't come up on its own. Oh, come on. I want a house, you know, I, I'm called to be an apostle. I remember that the Lord called me to be a certain uh, thing, in, you know, in, in Christ, and I, I thought, you know, I got that feeling, I'm going to be somebody. And it's like I was going to sit there and wait on it. And immediately I started going through hell. But it was actually heaven working for my good to get me in my place. God started digging foundations, started making way for me. But because I was waiting on it just to drop in my lap, I thought all of this was just, I'm having warfare. Pray for me. You know. And the Lord just laughed at me. When you dig a foundation on a, on a house, you're down in the trenches digging a trench. Nobody can see you. It's muddy. It's a mess. And if you go up there to watch them dig a foundation, the whole place is a mess. It doesn't even look like a house. Right? You got red mud all over you. People will just, listen, when you start this thing and you start digging, you start going after it, people are going to look at you like, you're crazy. You're never going to make it. You're just making a mess of things. But if it's a mess, that means you're building. Oh, boy. You better get ready. It's going to happen. Those that choose to really go after it, there will, it will be a mess. But I trust you. Just trust me. 
If you just keep going, if you keep going after what God tells you to do, if you keep doing it, even though it's a mess, you're going to build what God called you to build. Don't wait for the easy route anymore. Easy route is out. There's a process in building what God's called you to build. And the process is when, when you know it's a process and it's going to take a bit, it's going to take long suffering, it's going to take enduring pain, enduring the process of it, getting there. If you, if you see that that is a part of God, you'll actually enjoy it. But in this world, pain is rejected now. If it just don't fall in my lap, if it, that ain't the Lord. No. It's time to dig. It's time to dig. Some of you actually will get, have to have papers, legal stuff to get you there. God's going to give it to you. God's going to change the hearts of men. He's going to give you literal papers and authority to actually build it. Oh, come on, guys. This is encouraging. Yeah, I, I, where are my builders? Where are my builders? We got, okay, 12. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. You're called to not only build something in God in you, but you are physically called to build something physically here on this earth that is from heaven. You're not called to just float and land and just pray for the sick wherever you go. And that, that ain't... That's just a stream. You're supposed to actually make something of uh, here on the earth physically with the Lord. If somebody says, I, I've got a ministry, I say, show it to me. Well, you know, the Lord's called me. To, no, I want to see it. Give me something. Well, I'm just waiting. Lord, mm -mm. God wants doers. And you're that. You're his will here on this earth. I'm telling you, cities in the future will be anointed. Because they will be rebuilt by the hands of, of anointed people. They'll know what to do. The whole city will be sprinkled in the anointing. Can you imagine somebody just driving through your city and they hit that realm? Brad, you're crazy. I am crazy. But that's the way it's going to end up happening. You can't have a city of refuge by saying, we're going to have a city of refuge. <laughs> Somebody's got to build it. Look at, verse, look at chapter 4. You okay? Is this helping? Say, I'm going to build it. I may, I may not know what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm to be doing. but I'm about, to. I'm about to. And I'm going to get the papers. I've got the papers here, and I'm about to get the papers out there. I encourage you to read the whole book of Nehemiah, because this is the season of it. Little cupbearers are about to come out and be kings. Let's read it. Verse 4. I mean, chapter 4. Here goes. He's headed now. He's about to start putting hands to his idea. All right? 
And the strangest thing is as he started after this thing and he started his idea, all these other people started coming around him to help him. I know this is a statement we've all heard. If you'll build it, they'll come. That is a true statement. If you'll start actually headed that way, people, God will start having these partners come in your life. And they may not be the people that you envision, but they are the ones that are going to help you build it. They will be. We need them. And so here he goes. They're about to build. Say, they're about to build. And it says, but it, was, it so happened when Sam Ballot heard that, that we were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. As soon as they started breaking ground, the enemy comes out and starts speaking accusation. Number one, as soon as you start after your, your goal, you're going to hear accusation in your head, and you're also going to have people that are going to accuse you as well. But that's the mark that you're on the right track. Let them keep doing it, because that actually can make you happy. Even when you get mocked in the head, you'll never make it. I just can't believe it. What kind of person? Do you, you, you don't have no experience in this thing. You'll, all, you'll hear all that in your head. Just start laughing and go, man, send ballots out. And ballots out. That means I'm on the right track. Amen? So he started mocking them. And he spoke before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Say feeble. You ever heard that in your head? Come on. I don't have the strength to do that or the aptitude. You're just weak. He goes out and tells the whole army, gets a bunch of people together. Get a bunch of hens together and start pecking on you. <laughs> Feeble. You're just weak. You can't walk this out. You can't walk out what God's told you to do. You're weak. You got some flaws, remember? Remember, before you gave your heart to the Lord, you had this problem. You still got that issue. You might not, we need to go get some counseling, some you know, some sozo or something. You got something wrong with you, man. As soon as you listen to that old spiritual mocking, man, tell him to go to hell where he came from. Because that's where it's coming from. It's nothing but hell. Y'all okay with that? I'm a redneck, sorry. Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Were they completed in a day? We need to say, yeah. Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? Stones that are what? Burnt. And the Bible says we're living stones. That builds up God's house. Every one of us is a bunch of burnt stones. That's what God uses. You go and look closely at buildings, some buildings in, in his temple and the, the stones that are sitting there. If you get real close to the walls and stuff, you'll see trillions of people. It looks like a big temple, but if you get really close to it, you'll see millions of people that look like stones. And you'd be surprised 
who builds up his house. Non-qualified looking folks. Burn up. And the world's thrown them away. Religious rhetorics and religious church and all that junk's thrown them away. And God looks over there and looks at the throwaways that the world's thrown. He goes, oh, these are my blocks. Let's, let's take these because they, they're going to build up my house. Because anybody that's been through it knows. If you've been through it, you've got experience. You know what to do. Rubbish. Now Tobiah, Ammonite, was beside him. And he said, whatever they build... If even a fox goes up, say fox. Even if a fox goes up on it, he will what? Break it down. What's the Bible say about a fox? Anybody know? The little fox is what? Yeah, buddy, they're trying to put a lie in his head. It's not going to last long. Whatever you do in your life, you know, it may come up, but it's not going to last long. It'll fall. You're going to fall. He's trying to send little lies in that, in that thing that he's building. And if he takes the bait, it'll shake him up. And it'll start spoiling the vine, which is Christ in him. The idea that is growing in him will be spoiled if he takes the bait. Oh, God. Don't listen to a little fox. Because whatever you build, if he's saying it won't last, that means it's going to last forever. Forever. Because whatever God builds does not dis disintegrate. It's forever. Amen? You okay? You getting this? All right, let's keep going. I'm almost done. We'll go eat. I know y'all ain't going to eat tacos and all that stuff <laughs> hear hear oh our god for we are despised turn their reproach on their heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you for they have provoked you what they provoked who so he didn't even take all of that accusation personally. <laughs> He's seeing it as them coming against God. You see the mentality we've got to have? Instead of going, I rebuke that in the name, you know, and you get all scared. Use it to get you intimate with the Lord and actually see that the enemy's coming against the Lord and get encouraged and go, hey, Lord, they're coming against you. It ain't me. They're coming against you. I'm going to keep building. You just take care of it. In other words, he's not going after them and trying to confront them and do all that. He's just saying, hey, Lord, that's all about you. That ain't about me. We're, going, we're just going to finish. All right? You take care of that. Me and you, we're going to do this. Don't take your accusations personally from here on out about what you're going to do, and even about yourself. 
or you'll find you, yourself the frozen chosen this year. Say, I am not going to take it personally anymore. Just say, Lord, enemy's rebuking you. So after he says that, after he says, hey, mm, that's all, that's you. Look at what happens here. So he built the wall. The entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had the mind to what? Had the mind to work. He, look at, his prayer wasn't even that long. Let's see, one, two, three, three and a half sentences was his prayer. He couldn't have, he wasn't intimidated with what was going on. Most of the time when you're intimidated, you just try to rock and, you know, and break through and say a tons of paragraphs to try to get the Lord to do something. Oh, come on. I'm pressing in. I'm pressing in. In the name of Jesus, I break the spirit of Jezebel, I, Leviathan, and you, you'll make up a spirit. Right? But he just says, uh, Lord, this is all about you. We're going to continue to build. So what he's doing biblically, he doesn't know this, but what he's doing biblically, he's being like Jesus. He's resisting the devil. What? And drawing near to God. And God is what he's doing. God is his purpose for now. That's him. So they just continue to build. Set it, okay, this is yours. I'm going to resist all that. I'm going to let you handle that one. But I'm going to keep on track. So they continued to build it. And everything started coming together. Now it happened. Say it, now it, now it happened. Notice, things are starting to come together. You need to really get this. When things start to come together, when you've gone through one, one temptation, the mocking and then the intimidation, the foxes, and you stay on it, things start coming together, you're going to have another wave. That's what's about to come. Let's read. Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were being, what, beginning to cl be closed that they became very angry. <laughs> very angry. And one of the things that happens is when the enemy gets angry in this world, when you start really breaking ground, you really start taking ground, the first thing that will happen is strife and anger will get within the brethren. So if he can't mock you, he'll try to divide you. Oh, please help him. This is not only about your purpose, but it's also what's about to happen with the body of Christ because we've been separated for a while. But we're about to build each other instead of accuse each other. We're going to bring in all the gaps and we're going to be one again. They became very angry, and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create what? There's your next one. Confusion. You start bearing fruit. Strife gets in. 
and then confusion. Because when confusion gets in, fear gets in. You start panicking. And everybody starts blaming each other. Come on. It's your fault. No, you did that. I'm, I'm going to pray for you. you know. <laughs> All of that stuff starts culminating. But if, if you can see this in a different, uh, a different realm, when you start seeing the strife and the confusion and everybody wants to do the blame game, just start laughing and say, guys, we're actually on track. Don't get offended at it. Stay on track. Yeah, but he made me angry. Well, that, that's part of building. Laugh. Because you're actually fulfilling Scripture. Some of you want to throw up, don't you? <laughs> Look at this. Watch this. Next one. They got anger, and then they got confusion coming, and then it says, nevertheless, we, not I, they, they felt it, and they all turned together and went before the Lord. The confusion and the strife and the anger actually was used to bind them together with God. We could kick the devil in the hind end if we could use his stuff to get us to the Lord. He's just an old servant boy. He don't have authority. The only authority he can have is to get you to do his will. And it's your authority that ends up helping him if you agree with him. So it says, nevertheless, we, I love that, we made our prayer to God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers are failing, and there is so such much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. Uh-oh, we got a bad apple in the barrel. The enemy got in his head, didn't he? You got unity flowing, and now you got somebody that just took the bait of the enemy, and now he's trying to spread fear. I don't think we're going to make it, David. You know, it's 300,000, but I'm going to tell you, we might not make it. And we got problems with lawyers. that got codes. And I'm going to That's what happens. But watch what he does. He's trying to poison, he's trying to poison the, the whole goal. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Ten, isn't that strange? Ten times. That's what the enemy does. He will continue to tell you the same thing until you think it's truth. How many times have you said that you've heard the, the negative thing about your life over and over? How many times do you think you hear it maybe a day? Some of us 10,000 times, some of us 10 times, but he is constantly trying to wear you down. 
Don't let the enemy wear you down. I know this is simple what we're talking about, but nobody talks about it. How many times have you tried to build a business and somebody gets poisoned by the enemy and they turn into a bad apple and then you just, the whole thing just falls? Well, I guess, and then you have to just say, I guess it wasn't the Lord, you know. But really, you were, that was all planned. That was actually supposed to cause everything to be strengthened, not wasted. Because without it... If, you're, if you see this in a different light, this is about to help Nehemiah. This is going to cause a multiplicity of ministry to start with the people. It starts binding everybody together. What the enemy thought would bring division caused everybody to bind together and to fulfill the purpose. And if you do that in your own personal life, when the enemy comes attacking you like this, let, use it to allow you to bind you to God instead of separate you from God. You don't realize that it's not you that's living, it's Christ in you lives. Because when you gave your heart to the Lord, all things became new, and you became a new creation. But you just don't know it yet because you've been lied to. Because the enemy, when he comes to accuse you, He's not accusing you. He's accusing the new you, which is Christ. Oh, every time God, enemy looks at you, he's looking at Jesus. He's not looking at you. You're no longer the old one. And the more accusations and the more persecution, the Lord says, if they persecute you, rejoice. And I'm like, hmm. One of the revelations is that you rejoice because it's a mark that the end, you're looking like me more and more. If they persecuted him and sent lies to him, they're definitely going to do it to us. And if we said, I'll walk with you, Jesus. Well, if, if anybody says they abide with him and love him, they're going to walk as he walked. So if you look at Jesus' pattern, we're living it. Your life is like the Lord. So if you look back at all the accusations, the stuff you've been through, the hits you've been through, it's the enemy that can't stand Christ in you. But man, once you start taking it personal, you go back and you open up the old folder that has been totally hidden from you of who you really were a long time ago. And you start opening up and you start taking clothes of the old stuff and you start putting it over Christ. And you start trying to be something that died a long time ago. And the enemy's over there going, ha ha, we got him. When you gave your heart to Christ, he took all the old stuff off of you and you became a priest. And now he's giving you charge over his house in certain dimensions to build for him. Oh. All right, turn over to Zechariah 3 and I'm going to finish. I got to do this. I got to skip from that next scripture and I want to turn over here. You okay? I'm gonna, now I'm going to encourage you after we've manifested. Zechariah, uh, yeah, Zechariah 3. Got 50. Wow, I'm doing good. Shoot. 
You there? Here you are. Say, here I am. Here's Joshua, but put you in there. Put your name in there. Then you show me Joshua or Brad or David or Sarah, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. Even while he's standing at the throne, Satan is accusing him. Uh, have you ever thought, man, I just wish all this would end? My goodness, he's with, at the throne and it's still going on. <laughs> what? I love this about God because he, he's so cool. He messes Satan up. And the Lord said to Satan, say the Lord. Because Joshua's not saying anything. He's hearing all this stuff while he's standing at the throne. But I'm going to tell you what. We're at the throne right now. The kingdom of God is right here. I mean, if you could see what I'm saying, it's crazy. Because you're grafted in. Once you're grafted in, you're grafted into the realm of heaven. But if the enemy has got you programmed, you can't see too well. You can't understand that you're really with God. You can't understand that you're standing before him. You can't understand that you're really a true high priest. You can't see yourself and you can't see really God for who he is. Even though you're right there with him. Oh, come on. And watch what happens. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Say, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the... Doesn't that sound like one of those rubbish those stones? Oh, come on. So if, if, if the Lord's saying, is this not a brand? In other words, even though he is a rubbish, even though he looks dark, is this not mine? You may think that you have all these problems... But that doesn't matter what you think. What matters is what he thinks. And if you get on his mindset, you will see yourself completely different, even though you are dark and have a bunch of stuff going on. Is he coming back for a bride without what? But what is his bride going to look like? We think she's going to be this perfect... But if you really look at his bride by looking at how Jesus, look, what kind of folk that hung around Jesus? And he saw them at his bride. And we got one that's cutting off an ear. He's coming, it, his bride, not our bride. So the bride to the religious mind or the people that have problems with perfection We'll look at a bride and go, man, she's got a problem. And you'll be like Satan. You'll be accusing her. You need to get clean. You need to go. But she may be the bride that's going to rule the world. Because it doesn't matter what we think about the bride. It's a matter what he thinks. Because he's coming back for his bride. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Now Joshua was clothed with... Man, that made me manifest. What? You mean you get to stand before the Lord in filthy garments? That ain't the Lord. <laughs> filthy garment. It ain't just, you know, stinky garment. It's what? I'm talking filthy. Filthy garments. And he's in the throne room. And Satan's reminding him of all of his flaws is what he's doing. You got this issue. You remember your parents? You remember what you did? You remember what you did the inheritance? You, 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 you snuck in there and you manipulate. You remember? Uh, I mean, tell him all kinds of lies. You really didn't love Moses. You really wanted his stuff. I mean, tell him all kinds of stuff. He's got issues going on in his head. It's not just about physical garments. There's something that he's clothed in that's really filthy. And the Lord looks down and he goes, oh, wow, there's a priest you got to understand, uh, it says it in the first beginning, uh, Joshua the high priest. So he's already calling Joshua high priest while he's filthy. He hadn't cleaned up. So evidently, it, it, what God says goes. It isn't what society tells you who you are. It's what God says. He's clothed in filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Say to him he said, Say it with me. To him he said, See, see, I have removed. What did he say? See, I, God is, is now in trying to get his vision back. He has heard so much from the enemy. And now God is, even though he's standing there, he can't see him like he's supposed to see him. So God is doing the work and the warfare for him. And now he's speaking into his mind. He's saying, now, see, I've removed. And Joshua's starting to wake up like, oh, my, what the? God is encouraging him. He's waking him up. See, I have removed your iniquity from you. And I will clothe you with what? Rich robes. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. Hmm. I won't go there. I'll go all day. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him, and the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua. He what? So even though he's in the throne, he's got the clothes on, he needs his mind encouraged. So the angel in the realm of the throne room has to encourage him. 
See, it doesn't matter if your mind's messed up. It doesn't matter if you're in heaven or here on the earth. If your mind's messed up, you can't really interact with God. You feel separated. And so the Lord knows exactly what to do. He's physically changing him. Now he's speaking into his mind to now mentally change him to get the mind of God and who he really is. And he says to him, let's read this and we'll go home. If you will walk in my ways and if you will keep my command, then you shall also judge my house and likewise have charge of my courts. And I will give you places to walk among those who stand here. Here, O Joshua, imagine, here, O Joshua, the high priest, <laughs> you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. That's what's about to happen. A bunch of filthy old people are priests. Once our mind starts to change and he does the same thing to us, we're going to build God's church back. We're going to go out there and we're going we're to see people that think they're filthy and we're going to do the same thing God did to Joshua, the same thing God did to us. We're not going to prophesy their sin. We're going to prophesy who they are and their identity and who they're called to be. God could have said what, he, what was wrong with him. He had filthy garments. But even God didn't even say what was wrong with him. He just changed it. And then prophesied to him, and now he's giving him his, his courts. And here you are sometimes, some of you guys sitting out there, oh, I'll never be like a priest. I'll never have... I'll never enter those realms of heaven. I'll never be able to hear God. I'll, that's all the accusers speaking to you, and you're standing right, right in front of Jesus, and you're listening to that thing, and the Lord knows it. He doesn't even condemn you for it because he's about to whack him, and he's going to show you who he is, and then he's going to show you who you are, and then you'll start becoming the builder you're called to be. Why do you live in a house in a neighborhood? You think it's because, you know, it's just something you, you know, you just got to have? Or are you there to actually take over the neighborhood? You think you got your great job just so that you can get money. God don't care about no money. He's wanting you to take over. Wherever you are is a sign where God puts you to take over and change. But you'll always get the sand ballots. You'll always get that stuff in those places. That will show you that you're actually there sent by God. If you're a janitor and you start feeling lowly, I'll never be anything, man, you are in the right place because you're about to run into somebody you're going to change. Hey, I've been there. I've been a janitor. After I left the dealership, he said, oh, what do I do now? He said, dig ditches.
I had to become, I had to be, be a laborer just digging ditches. But I got to touch people that would not be in church. And after he, after he finished that realm and took over, he said, now it's time to go. But once I broke to his will and understood wherever I go, that's because he sent me. I started getting happy where I was in the ditch or in the pen, in penthouse. Because I finally just broke and trusted God. And wherever I went, I was going to take over and build whatever he wanted to build. I don't care if I was a janitor, ditch digger, or, you know, businessman, professional. It didn't matter. If I leave, if today when I walk out that door and says, you're no longer going to preach, I want you to go start selling cars, I'll put it up. I will. I'll put it up. Because I want to be where God wants to take over. I really do. I want to be where God wants to build and take over. My identity is in not what I do. My identity in him is in him. Build where you are. Take over where you are. Listen to the Lord. Get, get, get the goal that he wants you to fulfill. Get the destiny he's called in your life. And just do it. Don't listen to the garbage. Let the Lord just rebuke it. Resist the devil and just keep going after the Lord. Listen, I know some of us in here and maybe visiting, you may be here and you're, you're having a hard time. You, you feel like you got filthy garments and you just really have a sorry life. I'm going to tell you, you don't have a sorry life. If you're filthy, you're closer to the Lord than we are. He always throws the filthy in his face. He loves the filthy. He loves the ones that are having a hard time. He'll give them the throne. And you're set up today to actually enter into what God has for you. So get happy about your filthy garments. They brought you here. <laughs> and you're about to have God's help. You're about to find God giving you a place in his kingdom. Amen? So all you Nehemiahs, all those that feel like they're not going to make anything of themselves, Get ready. You're qualified. It's time to build. It's time to build the destiny for your life that God's given you. And wherever God places you, it's time to build that place up as well and take over. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray right now that they would actually get the revelation that they're a Joshua. It doesn't matter what they have on. It doesn't matter what is tormenting them. It doesn't matter what the enemies tried to put on them. You call them high priest. And Lord, I ask right now that you would awaken us and awaken all these builders to have the authority in your courts. 
so that we can fulfill the destiny of the Lord on this earth. Lord, I pray that there'd be an awakening that they know, not just believe or try to believe, that they would supernaturally know that they have authority wherever they are. That they would go out with boldness, not insecurity. There's not a God in heaven that's insecure. And if we're feeling insecure, we're getting hit by the enemy. And I ask that you would blow on us, as you blew on the disciples, that you would breathe in everybody a new life today. And that you would commission this group to be your priest here on the earth. And that they would do greater works than even you did. Lord, I even pray for our families that aren't here. That what, it, what this revelation and this wonderful spirit that's in this room, we get on our children and our uncles and our grandfathers, and the ones that we've that divorced and all those things that have been just cast in a ditch somewhere, people that, 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 that we've even rejected, Lord, we ask that you would wake them up. Lord, even use us to go get them out of the ditch. You got us out. Now use us as well. And Lord, I, I, I bless their destiny. I bless their lives. And I ask for the Holy Spirit to draw so close to them that they literally hear your voice. And they hear heaven encouraging them. And I ask right now that you would rebuke the accuser of the brethren out of their head. And I encourage every one of you, build. Build the destiny of the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a message from one of our ministry friends and family at Rock City Church in Corpus Christi, Texas. If you'd like more information on the ministry, please visit our website at www.rockcitycorpus.com or feel free to check out our Facebook page of Rock City Church in Corpus Christi. Have an awesome, rockin', fired up day!